Hey, good morning and welcome this morning. I uh, just want to say my name is Tri. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're super grateful that you're here. If you're new here this morning, we actually want to extend just an extra special uh gratitude that you're here, that you've come and you chose to worship with us this morning. Uh, we would love to get to know you better. If you're looking for a church home, we really hope you might find one right here with us. Peace. It's a big deal, right? We, we, we live in a, in a world and, and, and we have an entire world. As a matter of fact, I, I'm just convinced that we are programmed to seek peace. That, that really there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a drive, it, it's knit into our souls, it's, it's woven in through our souls that, that we are a people who desire really to have peace, to live in peace, and we are a people who are constantly striving to find peace in our lives and to find those puzzle pieces through life that we believe a lot of times will, will bring us peace. The dictionary um, defines it this way, um, a state of tranquility or quiet such as Freedom from civil disturbance, peace and order uh, were finally restored in the town. A state of security or order within a community provided by law or a custom, a breach of the peace. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. I've been in perfect peace and contentment. And it's harmony in personal relationships. And so the world is, is always looking for peace, we're looking for peace. The, the reality of our lives is that we're trying to find peace and we're looking for, again, those puzzle pieces that we believe that if we can find something on the outside so often and then put it in on the inside, what it'll do for us is that it'll provide peace for us. And so we start to look and we start to look all over the place for things that we think might enhance our peace things that, uh, that we believe might just kind of um, move us or transform us into um, a peaceful state. A lot of times we'll associate those things with, with uh, the home we live in, the, the car we drive, the relationship we have. We think that, man, if I just had this, if I just had this component, if I just had the next job or the next house or the next car or my financial statement was like this, or if this person or that person would just back up and leave me alone a little bit, or maybe if the kids would just be quiet, I could have a little bit of peace, right, kind of a thing. So we start looking for things that maybe aren't actually totally like peace. They're, they're, they're things that look more like quiet. They're things that look more like security. They're things that look more like contentment. And, and maybe to some degrees, if we, if we look at those things in a holistic kind of a way, those things may really have the opportunity for helping us to have a little bit more of a peaceful existence. You know, I spent... If you don't know me, I spent a long time, quite a lot of time, training horses. It was, it was my vocation previous to this, and I did it for over 20 years. And, and, and you know, the way that I would work a horse or, or the way that I would basically manipulate the behavior of a horse was by stealing its piece. In other words, what I would try to do is you try to make the easy, the, the thing you want, you try to make that easy. You try to make that an escape, a release out of pressure. And what you do is the things that you don't want, you add pressure to that recipe, right? And so what happens though is when you first start with a young horse or whatever, you start adding a little bit of recipe, you start taking or robbing the horse a little bit of their piece with a goal in mind, and they freak out, right? They just lose it, they're ah, you know, just, just you, you, they don't understand and they're not getting it. But, but what happens is that slowly and surely, as you begin to provide opportunities where they move out of pressure 
and into peace, what you do is you start to see a horse that starts to seek it. They start to understand, they quit getting so upset about pressure because they start to understand that there's meaning in pressure, that there's a methodical process that's going on. And if they'll just keep hunting and they'll keep moving their feet and they'll keep believing that they'll actually find that. Now that takes faithfulness on the end of the trainer and it takes kind of knowing what you're doing. As a matter of fact, the problem with a lot of people who train horses is that they're really good at putting pressure on and they're not so great at taking it off. And what we're really trying to do is, 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 is look for ways and opportunities when we're in that and we're working with a horse, a, a way of not just putting pressure on, but the bigger goal is to, is to have that pressure alleviated and have that horse find a way and find a place of peace. See, horses just don't wanna be chased and stuff like that. They're, they're, they're really basically lazy is their thing. They wanna sit around and eat grass. They don't want somebody chasing them with a flag or something. But you know what? If they can start to believe and start to see that actually that person that's chasing me around actually might just be the source of peace and not just the source of pressure. But you know what that takes? That takes faith and it takes trust and it takes a commitment of relationship over time. And this is something that God is trying to work out in us in this process of peace. Sometimes we just feel like God is just putting the pressure on us and we don't realize that there's a methodical thing that's going on, that there's a way, that there's a release out of the pressure and into the freedom really that we want to, to really find. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus said an interesting thing in this, right? He said, I didn't come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. And that's really, that's a, that's a like, whoa, whoa, Jesus, we, you're the prince of peace, right? And, and you came that we might be at peace. And, and, and yes, that's the truth. But if we kind of believe or think that the idea of world peace is something that Jesus came to do in his first coming, then, then we're wrong. He did come to make a way of peace, but he didn't come to bring peace into this world. As a matter of fact, what he did brought division. It brought a struggle into the world. It brought a reality of truth that was in contention with the world and the way that the world is seeking to have peace and meaning, right? So we have a world and we have people and we're, we believe that if we could somehow just change these external circumstances or change the internal circumstances in our lives. In other words, if, if you're a Buddhist, you would, you would be trying to eliminate all desire in your life. And basically, if you accomplish that, if you can get rid of all desire in your life, then basically you kind of just blend into the universe. You reach the state of nirvana. It means that the, literally that the flame of desire is extinguished. It's blown out in your life. And, and you can live in peace. But Jesus said, look, in this world, there's gonna be struggles. There's gonna be hard things that come in this world. Shalom is the word, that, that the, the Hebrew word for peace. And, and, and the word shalom has a, a very big meaning. It doesn't mean just kind of a part of peace. It's a very holistic word. It, it has the idea and the con connotation of completeness, of wholeness. Uh, it has the idea of permanence to it. And, and it, it's not just a, a kind of a little piece of the puzzle. It's the entire puzzle put together. And I believe that this is what God is really seeking for us. He, he wants us to be a people who believe and understand and know that the pressures that we're experiencing are not, uh, they're not amiss. They're, they're not without purpose. And that if we just continue to trust and look at him and believe on him, that he wants to move us into a place of peace, this place kind of, of shalom. 
Peace really is a perspective. So many times we want to look at peace as being this thing. It's an object. It's something that I find. And when I add it to my life, I'll then experience peace. The problem with that is as we look at the world and we understand even our own selves and our own journey, what we really see about that is it's much tied to the idea of contentment. And, and you see, if you look for peace in the future or you look for contentment in the future, you'll never find it because it doesn't actually exist in the, in the future. What happens is we say things like, well, I'll be at peace when, or I'll be content when, when I have this, when I have that, when this was working out, when my financial statement is different, when this is different, when my relationships are different. But see, what God is wanting to do is bring the shalom kind of a peace into the middle of that. See, shalom is more the idea of that there's peace within the noise. It's not about getting rid of the noise. It's not about adding a puzzle piece, but it's about finding our identity. It's about finding our completeness, our wholeness, our identity really within him. See, the problem with the culture around us is it's always telling us that this is what it is to have identity. This is what it is to have meaning. If you have this many likes, and we're always throwing things out there, right? People on Facebook all the time saying, well, if you just read this all the way to the end, you know, and stuff, and then comment this very thing at the bottom, then I'll know you're my true friend and I won't, you know, wipe you off of my friends list or whatever, you know. And really, that's just manipulating relationships in order to get a sense of, of, of self-worth. These are people who are looking for peace in their life. They're looking for that kind of that gratification, and they want people to put a quarter in the cup. Just put a little something in my cup. And see, God wants us to, to throw this cup away and to find our wholeness really in him. It's really a switch. It's a switch in perspective out of the temporal, out of the physical, out of this realm that we're living in and experiencing and beginning to shift our perspective into the eternal and to begin and understand and realize that the purposes of life are far more than just what we experience in this physical life, that the things that are going on here are meant to equip us and, and have us ready and even have us live our lives in a manner of, of something that's really worth living for. See, because the reality of this life, when we went through the book of Ecclesiastes, it points this out, is that death really is a tutor for us that really should teach us how to live. It should teach us that basically the reality of all of our lives, the, the death rate in America is 100%, right? And, and, and so the, the reality of life is that if I spend my life and I spend all of my time trying to seek this peace or these different things or identity from these things of the world, that I'll ultimately spend my life in a way that it really wasn't designed to be spent in. And so peace becomes this perspective. It's this shift. It really becomes this idea of beginning to align my perspective with God's perspective. It's much like prayer. See, prayer isn't meant to get God to move over here to what Try wants and what Try is up to and somehow get God to get involved with that. It's to move Try's perspective into God's perspective and to begin to pray for the very things that God has a heart to already do. And so whenever we look at this and we look at this perspective shift, what God is asking us to do is to shift our perspective, to begin to agree with him and to begin to agree with his word. And this gets really hard because then we got to start to agree with the reality of who God says that we are apart from him. The reality of sin in our lives, the reality of the, the struggle that has been brought into our lives that we have both been a participant in and that has also overflowed into our lives because of other people. 
and, and other people's sin has sometimes spilled over into our lives in a way that, that just isn't good. But, but, but God is asking us to shift our perspective and to believe and to know and to understand that he is in charge and that if we will place our faith and our trust in him, that when we align our perspective to God's, that we find that we quit robbing ourselves of the peace that he wants to intend and we start experiencing the peace. See, God has, God has never intended the things that we tend to seek after to provide peace for us. They aren't, they just can't do it. You can't get peace from this world. Peace can only exist. See, if we're seeking the peace of this world, then the reality of this is whether it's experiences or a relationship or your children or your job or your bank account or any of these different things, then, then none of those things are safe in this world. There's always the possibility or the reality that you could lose one of those things. And so that causes control to start to happen. That causes us to live in fear of that. It causes us to even begin to manipulate our relationships or even the things that we enjoy to get an end to them that we were never intended to have. And we lose the ability to even be able to enjoy them because there's, there's, a, there's an expectation that they'll provide for us identity, meaning, purpose, those kinds of things. And so we begin to manipulate the things around us for our end instead of backing away, trusting the one that we're supposed to trust in, receiving our peace and our identity from him and letting go of those things so that we might even be able to enjoy the relationships for what they are, enjoy our hobbies and our activities for what they really are, and have a right perspective on them so that they don't become idol, idols in our lives. Luke 19, 41 and 42 says this. It says, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. And of course, Jesus is talking to the Jewish people there, and he's talking about a blindness that has now come over them. But he said, look, if you even knew where peace was found, you don't. This is my problem. This is, I think, the problem with the world around. And I think we can just accurately look at the truth of the world around us and say, the world doesn't know how to find peace. The world doesn't know what it looks like. The world is, is, is uh, glorifying youth, beauty, prestige, fame, money, uh, possessions, all of these things. And, and if we looked into the world and said, well, who has those things? We'd look at the celebrities and we'd say, well, the celebrities actually possess those things. The big question next would be, do they look like they live in peace? And if we would rightly say, no, it looks like there's still conflict, then we can start to understand that this world and those things aren't even necessarily bad things, some of them, but they are not meant to give us identity and peace. And we are really a people whose God's word says, you don't even know how to have peace in your life. You seek it in all the wrong places. You chase all the wrong things. You're rebellious in your life. You want to be God, and you seek after these things apart from me. And we were never intended to exist or to live in this world apart from our relationship to our creator. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. See, Jesus makes a very clear distinction. There's, there's a peace that I give, and there's a peace that the world has. 
right? And if we subject ourselves to the economies of this world, we'll reap out of the economies of this world. What God is calling us up into is a shalom peace, a place of completeness, a place of wholeness, because we've allowed him to do the work in our lives, to, to bring the healing into our lives, to bring the change into our lives, to bring the hope into our lives that only he can bring so that we can experience this bigger picture. But as long as we chase the systems of the world, we'll be left empty, it's a funny thing. When Jesus meets with the Samaritan woman at the well, he basically just tells her one question. It's one thing. He just says, hey, look, I mean, you're just, you're drinking out of the wrong well. You keep drinking out of this well, you're going to get thirsty. You'll keep getting thirsty because it will not satisfy you. But I have living water, water that, that, that out of you will bubble over, that will, will, will produce, it'll even have a, an outflow into other people's lives. This is the thing that God wants to build into us. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit right? This is the things that God is wanting us to do. He's starting to realize, look, it's not about stuff. It's not about this world. It'll never provide it for you. Quit looking there. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things be added from there. Romans 8, 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, right? And when we live in that and we live in that fleshly spot, there is nothing more frustrating in the world than trying to control what is outside of our scope of control. There's nothing that causes more anxiety, more chaos, more struggle. I'm convinced that the anxiety that we're experiencing as a people today is A, because of our rejection of God, our, our, that we've moved into becoming a post-Christian nation, because, uh, and, and just the thing that people are trying to find their identity and who they are and the value and the worth and the meaning of their life through Facebook and things like that. Isaiah 26, three, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. You wanna have peace in our lives? Peace isn't about something outside of us. Peace is something that, that, that God gives us when we trust in him with a steadfastness of mind. Problem with me, I don't know about you, is that I'm there and then maybe I'm over here, right? Which puts me in a category of being kind of double-minded, tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves. That man ought not to expect to receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, we have to be steadfast. It means we've got to continue to trust. And when we don't see the results, we keep hoping, we keep trusting, we keep believing, and that will keep us in a place of peace. Peace is given. It is a gift. Peace isn't found. Peace, the world is out there, and, and you can read 100 different articles today about how to have peace, right? And it's gonna tell you things like follow your heart, you know, and, and, and believe in yourself, and, and, and these different things like that. But, but the reason that there's 100,000 self-help books that have been written and there will be 100,000 more is because they don't really produce for us. They sound great. They, they, they have a great sound. They seem like they ought to be right, but they really don't match up with God's wisdom and what he wants to do. He wants to give us peace as a gift. Number 626, the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace, right? It's the great into that benediction, right? The Lord lift up, you know, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God gave them that benediction as they were heading in to take the Holy Land, right? 
It, it wasn't about an absence of war around them. It was about an inner peace. As a matter of fact, if you look and you start to understand, when we look at the prayer to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it isn't necessarily a prayer that we're praying that, that they wouldn't have enemies that come up around them, but it says that within their gates, within their walls, they would have peace. That's the peace that we're supposed to pray for. It's the peace that God wants to give to us, is that we're, regardless of circumstances, despite our circumstances, even though the whole world might be falling down around us, we can be okay and we can be at peace, even a perfect peace, even a peace that doesn't make sense because we continue to trust and believe on him. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it's, it's God who wants to impart and give peace to us. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you, I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You see, it will be given, it is imparted. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. And, and this is basically the gospel message, is that there's somebody who's come that brought peace. He's the prince of peace. He's the author of peace. He's the one who came and did for us what we could never do on our own. See, we've all fallen short. We've all messed up. And, and, and maybe you're in here today and, and you think that somehow it's about what you deserve or what you've earned or how good you've been. Or, or maybe you think that it's because you've been so bad that now you're excluded or you're outside of it. I just want to tell you that the gift that was given, the gift of peace, the agent of peace, Jesus, paid the penalty on the cross and he obliterated the debt. He made possible a relationship for you and I with a holy and perfect God. Not because you were good and not because you were bad can you not have it. As a matter of fact, this economy isn't based in our works, our good works or our bad works. You never were good enough to earn it or to deserve it. And you were never so bad as that you were the one person that was that far outside of God's grace but we can all have it. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can't deserve it, but you can sure have it as a gift because Jesus came and he did for us what we could not do. We couldn't pay the penalty. I can't go back and undo the things that I've done, the circumstances, the sin that's been a reality of my life. When I look back in my past and I see that guy back there and he's doing stuff that I can't even believe he's doing it, but he did and it's me. You see, I have a need that's outside of myself. I don't have the solution for that. And in that, there's a, there's a, there's a turmoil that, that went on in my life. And it went on in my life for, for, for quite a while. And, and God took me to this place that became just a really dark night for my soul, where I was wrestling. And, and even though my circumstances out here weren't that bad at that time, man, on the inside, it was dark and it was bad, and there was absolutely zero peace. 
I had absolutely no peace. And there was just this turmoil that was going on. And no matter what I had done in my life or what I had sought out or what experience I had tried to have or what kind of title or position I had tried to have, I just, it was there and I couldn't get around it. And the thing that changed that, and it changed my life 19 years ago and it's still changing me today, was God's grace. The day that I said, God, I don't know who you are. But if, all, if you'll show me who you are, I'm ready to listen to you. I'm ready to believe you for who you say you are, not who I think you ought to be. And the day that I did that, I wanna tell you that it wasn't just trumpets, and, but, but something happened, something changed on the inside of me. And I knew I had been changed. And I still know that I was changed that day 19 years ago. It changed my life forever, and, and all of a sudden, I didn't know what had changed, but I knew something had changed, and I knew this. I knew I would never be the same again, and God's peace began to come into my life, and I, and I began to quit looking for these external things that I thought might bring peace to me, that might change my life, and in the midst of the struggle of life that we're all in, I found a place of contentment. I found a place of peace. I found a place where I just didn't need to go anymore and take a cup around and ask people if they'd put a quarter in it for me or something. Started understanding that my identity comes from God and God alone and that the peace that he purchased for me on the cross is the real peace, right? These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you, indeed, you are called in one body, and be thankful. Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. And Colossians 1.20, and through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. You see, Jesus came and he did the impossible. See, he entered into human existence because God can't die. But he entered in as God. He was the perfect God, man, and he lived a perfect life. He did everything where we failed to do it, he was perfect. Where Adam and Eve were disobedient before a tree, it says that he was obedient even to the point of death, even death upon a tree. You see, he faced up everything, our shortcomings where, where Israel had been disobedient and wandered in the desert for 40 years. He was obedient to the Father, and in 40 days, he uh, made it through an onslaught of the enemy. And, and he was perfect for us, and he died a death so that he could replace his life and his righteousness with ours, so that he could make peace with us. You see, this is a drastically different picture. This isn't a picture where we're trying to appease God. This is most of the religion systems of the world is we're somehow trying to appease God. We're trying to get right with God. We're trying to, to, to do something that would give us favor in God's eyes. But you see, we can't do that. This is a God who came down, who said, I'll make peace with you. See, he was the one who's in the position to make peace. He's the one who holds all power. And so he came down and he made peace with you and I. He made the opportunity for us to be in relationship with him. They say, well, how, how do I have that peace? It's a gift. 
You can only have it one way. And that's just simply to receive it. He, he's, he's made it. He, he's done it. He has a gift. His, his arms are extended. And he says, this gift is for you. Will you take it? And there's a real requirement for your response because God wants a love relationship with you. The only way to have an authentic love relationship is for two people to say yes together. God has said yes. God did everything. He gave everything on our behalf that we might have a relationship with him. And he waits now on anyone who hasn't for their response to just say, look, I'll, I'll take that gift. I'll live in that peace that you promised. I'll live in that and I'll, and I'll have that salvation that you bought for me on the cross. And we simply do that by faith, by believing that he is who he said he is, that he's the God of the universe who entered into time, space, and history on your behalf to take your place so that you might have his righteousness, so that you might be, then be presented before a holy and perfect God and be seen as blameless. On one hand, it seems too simple to have that kind of peace, but on the other hand, I assure you, if you're like me, the surrender of the human will is the most difficult thing that anybody will ever do, is give up their, their uh, ideal of being God of their own lives and being in control of it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the peace that you purchased. We thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross on our behalf, that it was your plan from, from before time began, that you already knew that we were gonna fall short, but that you came in and you made a way where there was no way. And Lord, so we just pray that, uh, Lord, we live in the peace that you've given us, that we wouldn't seek peace um, in places that you haven't uh, determined that it would be found that we wouldn't look for our meaning and our identity in the systems of this world, but we would know and believe that it's only you that can identify us and gives us true identity, that gives us worth, that gives us value, that it's only in you that I can truly enjoy the relationships around me and the experiences that, that you've given as a gift too in this world. Help us, Lord, to, to cast aside that idea that, that we can provide our own peace and we just wanna shift our perspective today and align our will and our perspective with yours, God, and just agree with you and your word. And then we wanna just receive as a gift the person that you sent, the agent that you sent, Jesus, to give us peace, to bring peace, to establish peace between ourselves and you. We thank you that you did everything for us, that there's nothing that's missing, there's nothing that's outside of this plan. There's nothing to be added to it. It's complete. It's done. And so we're grateful. Help us to stay mindful in this season, what this season is about, that it's about you. And it's about your entrance into the world, that you came to die, that we might have life. You came and experienced incredible chaos so that you might bring peace to us. We're grateful in Jesus' name. Amen.